Welcome to the Perry Mason Podcast by Bleed TV. I'm Zach. And I'm Cash. Uh, we're down yeah. Jake tonight. We had a little bit of a snafu, but who needs him anyway? Moving on. <laughs> uh, we are on chapter, chapter six. six. Um, Just... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of stuttering my words right now because I'm trying to unpack everything, everything we got in this monumental episode. Well, and everybody knows chapter six, that's where everything hits. You know, I mean, as soon as you're reading a book, you hit that chapter six, like, oh man, I'm in for something good yeah. here. Yeah, bottom line, if your chapter six hasn't caught you the by the hook round that, go ahead and put the book together and put it on the shelf and say, we gave it a shot. Yeah, you know, you know come back next week. Um, anyway, what... Wow. So Me. this is the Perry Mason. So we've been getting a lot of emails uh, and a lot of listeners and everything. Thank you so much. And everyone. You. Yes. Have, they've I mean, had us drooling about this episode because they said Perry Mason in court is completely different than anything that we have seen up until now. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. I, I, I want to go ahead and put a few things out there. You, you mentioned those emails and I want to mm-hmm. mention two or three names real quick. And I'm going to mention by the first name only. Okay. You know, but I want y'all to know. Some of our listeners, and if you're listening like that, have brought a level of information to us that is. Out of this I, world. I, I, one time I read two. I read two of these emails at least five or six times, and so on. Uh, one was from a guy named Dennis. One was from James. Another one from Harry. Um, it's like we thought we had an attention to detail. Um, we one of these guys uh, deals with music. Um, uh, on, it's a career, it's a passion, you could tell. And he gave us insight on information about uh, different episodes, different times, different uh, uses of uh, composer, music. I mean, like mind-blowing information. Um, and I want to give a shout-out to him. Um, there there was a, um, I think the guy named Harry, I think he, he's, he's a director, screenwriter like that. He was giving us information and breakdowns and stuff from his technical career yep. about how he how the show was going that was matching up with our opinions like that that was freaking awesome i mean like it was just out, out you know world, i was we, just we i want to put enough. it out there you know another guy james he was talking about i mean like i, I can't i don't want to get into a whole lot of detail waste my time but i want to give a shout out to those three guys those stuck out to me i don't mm-hmm. you know i got the numerous emails we got um, about the information, um, props to all you guys because and gals um, for all this stuff y'all email and we discuss. And, and by the way, I really appreciate all the, the kind words and everything. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. We're not perfect. We're terrible with names. And I got news for you. When we get done with this episode, you're probably going to be like, well, damn, them guys I mean, this is Jim Hicks. That? You know, that's easy enough yeah. to remember. Yeah. So we'll get so, that one right. Uh, anyway, I want to say we'll get some love that way. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all the great positive reviews. If y'all haven't done that, Please, you know, hit us up on your iTunes or whatever it is, and give us a positive review. It really, really helps yeah. us because we are by far the number one Perry, my, pay, sorry, Perry, Perry Mason, Mason podcast and uh, iTunes listenings and all that stuff. And so that's a big, big thank y'all to all y'all. Um, but okay. as for this episode, I mean, where do you start? I mean, be honest with you, you almost need to start like we're watching the episode in order because the episode. This is the first episode that I felt like it developed yeah. in order. All the way through. It's like literally following a timeline of getting information. I mean, we went from the opening statement of the case, mm-hmm. which was brutal. I mean, the DA was phenomenal. I mean, uh, he you wasn't know. really, he didn't provide anything. Like, it was all well, circumstantial and everything, but just being in order, going out, laying this case, using the right loaded questions. case with the, with the, the camera popping That's as true. he's going, you know, well, the visual effect, off, the, all that stuff. Just the opening credits again, just yeah, seeing yeah, how you exactly. do Perry Mason, everything you have, uh, the DA in front of everything, you know, like Perry Mason are both behind them. 
Then you have the, uh, what is it, the person, that, the stenographer? Mm-hmm. Like stenographer, between, yeah. Stenographer sitting in between them doing everything, and then we've got Perry yeah. behind everything. I'm just like. Oh, all this depth change, yeah. Uh, how? Who, who was right. sitting there leveling this out? And, no, just, uh, and you want to talk about attention to detail. You know, that's amazing. Think about this. How many times did you see the short ties? Think about okay. this. Whenever you saw handwritten notes, did you notice yeah. everything was like amazing, perfect cursive? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we can't get kids to write cursive to save our lives now. And, like, I, I work in the education field, and cursive is like, what? Well, what I'm going to be that? honest with you. Like, I've merged cursive and print into, like, one abomination of oh. ineligibility. And here's the thing other people have done that, not realizing that it's not print. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Like, they're thinking that's print. But it's, oh, see, like, no, I just admit it. Have you ever heard, like, Spanglish or, you know, I've heard or Spanglish ever, and everything? You know, like, there's a mixture like that, mixture of writing. Yeah, you know, see, like, mine's just like, I like S's in cursive. I'm like, oh, man, that's way cooler. Like, capital F's. I'm like, this is the funnest thing in the world to write. Yeah, so. But, I mean, it's ugly. Don't Yeah, me. well, seeing, like, Perry hold the notes, and when people are writing, and, uh, and the, now the you attention know to detail. Somebody's job was to, hey, Bill, you're going to be writing letters today. I yeah, really, like, we need to look like up. this, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, who who is that guy? Yeah. Who's the one who had to pin all this to make it look like Bravo? True, true. You know, it's like it goes back to the movie Seven, where they had somebody hand wrote every one of those uh, John Doe letters. Yeah, and uh, had him do it. Yeah, it, it was impressive. The attention to detail. Bravo, like, Skinny yeah. J's fat H's. You know, yeah. all that stuff. Like um, it was said, it was shown. They're putting the money into this show, and it are. is paying off. Well. We did hear season two is a, is a thing. Renewed, yes. Season two is a thing. So, um, you know, if you haven't heard yet, believe it or not, it looks like they've already popped on for it. Um, I mean, like- just like back to the opening scene and going back to the costumes. A, I've already think or thought ties are an abomination. I don't know how they ever got big or why we wear them. But seeing these short ties, oh my God, how are these things ever in fashion? What is the point? Like, they're just so fat and chubby hey, and hey hard man. to look hey, at you know what fashion is nothing but a revolving door you give it a little bit and we'll be right back to those things i hope i'm dead i hope i am gone you don't before. wear a tie anyway exactly and if move, i it's not on. starting with a short tie i can moving tell you on. that we got much. a lot to unpack here so move on we gotta you know come on but yeah, right. i mean i mean just the opening scene like the whole part of you don't really have to have evidence back then you know as long well, as you can throw allegations sensationalism is, that, was the case sensationalism? You know the, the big eye, the eyes on it, the press, how you can make things look, make the make the make the person who's defending their life look like the most worst monster ever. I mean, think about the things they were talking about. We, we, we dealt with love letters. We dealt with a, a hateful husband. We dealt with a sleazy uh, hotel owner. A, yeah, sleazy is for sure. We dealt with a, a prison guard. All this stuff. It was just communicating something they saw overheard Mm -hmm. no direct evidence whatsoever you know in any part of this completely circumstantial just like perry said and everything and we're having to see this you know and that's what they went to court with and was like this meets the standard come on um but even so like the attention to detail of perry getting up there and i told myself before this scene was happening i was like if he doesn't get up there and choke or stumble his words, or something like that, and he just goes ahead and starts delivering, then it's going to be fake. Really? If this is your first time as an attorney, when you're novice, you went through basically two weeks or a month or whatever to get your bar done and everything else, don't tell me that you can step up into that court and just deliver on your first We've opening statement. We've seen him statement. do it on trial. Well, he wasn't on trial, but he was... There's uh, a big difference when you're the attorney versus a guy who's sitting on the other seat who's answering questions. 
I don't think way, so. This is a my, man that went to war. Look, this in my is profession, a man who has been. All right, I'm just telling you, in my profession, okay. I was work. I I, I was somebody who's uh, who takes direction, giving instruction, mm-hmm. deliver it, deliver it to other people, and so on. When the roles were reversed, and I was promoted to be the opposite. Yeah, there is a completely different feeling in your gut, in your confidence, and everything else when you address. When it comes to the opposite, I, I'm just telling you from personal experience, and I know there's people out there who know what I mean. Is that when you go from somebody who is taking direction and leadership or different things to turning around to where you're the one giving to others? And if on your first go around, you got butterflies. You got the. I mean, I mean we've the whole seen him be in order all throughout the series and everything. I guess that's why I don't. Like, yeah. this was a dude who stood a media person who ended up having a gun at him and he had no problem talking. So the fact that he's having a problem doing this. You're talking about somebody who has experience within that situation. This right here, never having experience of putting a suit on and addressing a jury, addressing a judge, knowing the rules of law and order and the whole nine yards completely, and not being confident in yourself 100%. This was a perfect portrayal of what I expected for the character. I would love to hear from everybody else if you expected him to fall flat because I was... Now, I was no, taken aback. No, I, I did not expect him to. No, you're wrong. Did I think they maybe did it a little too heavily with the whole coughing excessively, the <laughs> stumbling of the going to a, a cup of water that's empty, and then finally mm-hmm. does take it, and then you know, and then stumbles. I do think it was a little heavy saturated, but I was just happy to see that they didn't make him come right out of the gate, Perry Mason. You follow no. what I'm saying? He looked like a court appointed attorney who was on his first run. Yeah, you know, in a major case. And that's what it needed to look like, or at least close to it. Now, don't get me wrong. He wasn't as bad as the court-appointed attorney and my cousin Vinny, you know, Stumbelina. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, but come on. Um, You know, remember, prescription glasses. That's a key (laughs) line for the movie. But anyway, so you go for all that. Now, in the case, if you want to talk about that itself, um, yeah. He does make arguments about discovery. We do have a surprise witness, like you said. Mm-hmm. This Terrence Smith guy pops in at the Star Motel. And, like, I'm still trying to figure out, uh, by the end of it, I was like, he didn't prove anything. Like, nothing bad went on. It was purely and, a character witness. Yeah, I mean, find it was out maker, how terrible of a person she is. You know, look like a sleut or any other terrible things. And I, I guess I still have a problem realizing how much of an image that is back then. Oh, because yeah. I'm just like adultery. Not, yeah. Who would leave a child so they can go have sex? I was like, I, I think that's what everybody does when they go have. I mean, I don't know if people who bring the child into the room to it. You know, but you know hey, it's like having know, a dog city there. Like in just today's world, down. anything's a gambit, man. Yeah, you know and so I mean? like I'm looking at it, and then as soon as they get back, and Perry is screaming at her at Emily and just tearing her a new one. I was like. Oh, that's kind of the whole point of this and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so trying to see it through the different lenses. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. Um, like I said, no direct evidence. No, none. Sensational, circumstantial, and so on. But I mean, that whole scene, perfectly well shot. I mean, when you have a sleazy landlord, you know, like leaning out, looking through the window... Then I'm making my rounds as his glory hole opens up, and he's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so a couple of things Perry does try to do to advance the case. You know, he does talk to the officer. He does open the door for Drake to mm-hmm. maybe tell the truth. He doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't well, no, put I it mean, on him. He holds his word. I think Drake's 
pretty much done for the series. Like I, I don't know what else he can do. Now, granted, he get, did get his well, wife out of town. I think Drake's new role is is that he's going to be another P.I. I, I agree you know, with you. That, you know, just like the, from the original show. But, I mean, I think stuff. that's more towards season two because he can't come back and perjure himself. I, I agree with that, but he can help investigate things from his angle. I mean, for what, what left is there to find, you know? Oh, I think there's plenty. Okay. I think there's a whole lot. You know what I mean? I think he's going to start doing some things to help on this situation. I mean, we got two episodes. Like, and, I mean, we did a lot of investigating. Uh, and I agree. But I think this next episode is going to have a ton of stuff going on to get to the, the big finale. I do agree with you. But I think most of it's going to take place in court. But, I mean, I, I'll happily be wrong if, if it's a lot like this, this episode, episode. We had a lot of stuff happen in court. But we had a ton of stuff happen outside of the court that's going to be court-related for the next one. Very true. But a lot of that was trying to find what we're going to use in court and to dismiss what they were using in court. Right. Well, it's and all so, like, and everything else. I, the I next agree. episode, I feel like it's going to pretty much all get thrown out into court. Well, Drake is not done. He'll bring another nugget to the table. Hey, in I hope so. In some capacity. They're going to have to show his life in danger, too, though. They're going to have to show that him taking his wife out of town and doing things that the, you know, he has to, sh- we have to see that that is, that was a good decision. No, it was a good decision just because, you know, Enos can come and kill you. Like, I don't think we need to see his life in danger. Well, I kind of, I feel like we do to show, you know, that it's another example of this guy is thinking correctly and I, preparing for his steps forward. Yeah. I mean, I no, think we, we already know that. a lot. No, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we already have that. I don't think we need to pressure it. If they do, they do. If not, I don't think it's a miss or anything. Well, for him to have that moment in the house where he talks about, have you ever been afraid? And he's like, yeah. well, I was in the war. Yeah. And he goes, but do you ever feel like, you know, you can't stand up to this. You can't cuff white people. I, 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 well, I mean, a just white like murderer. The, this, uh, I mean, he goes through all that information to him. And so the one that I'm hit afraid. was a white murderer. So on. I think he says all that. And that I think it, I think the show may be a little bit of a miss, which I don't want to drag it out, if they don't show that there is some, you see some of that danger, or at least that misnomer of it. I mean, we've already felt it from Enos when he goes up and touches his wife's belly without any permission or anything. Agree. Agree. And like I said, they might leave it like that. They might truly. You don't know. I just, I don't know. I had that itch. I hope it gets scratched. Um, so... The other things they brought up there, they brought the corner up there. We tried to put the, the dentures <laughs> which, in there. Which seen him on stated automatically knowing what was in that envelope. And then yeah, just be yeah, like, yeah. Oh, was tough. no. The baby pictures were horrific. <sighs> I mean, like, I, I, I mean, just just the giant white white with a huge, huge. black cast shadows and stuff Man. like that. I mean, like, ugh. It was just, it was brutal. Um, you know, the, the banter with the other attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the judge throwing out the information and the second autopsy, um, you know, and the judge telling him, I'll wipe my ass with your investigator's license. I mean, like, it was, it was a tough scene because, like, you were thinking this could be a turning point. This could be one of those things that helps the case to give Perry an inch because mm-hmm. he's been getting his. The time he did well was with uh, Emily's well, husband. Yeah, yeah, the old Dotson boy when he – Talked about, well, you lied to the cops. You, you were gambling. Oh, your rich daddy took care of your debt and da da da, you know, uh, stuff. And to me, it was a 50 50. Yeah, you made him look sleazy, this, that, or so on, but he still said, you were sleeping with, you know, this guy, you know, you probably, you killed my, you know, my son, wasn't well, my son, all these I things. I think that was a big deal. All right there. that stuff right there, in my mind, is more damaging than him being a sleazeball with a rich daddy, you know, 
uh, paying his debts. Just putting it in perspective. Maybe. But, I mean, it still leaves the door open that he might have been a part of it. And agree. And especially with saying, who says that's my kid? The disowning of the kid, we already see later in the episode that that's going to play a part. Yes. Now, that right there does play into some theory thoughts. Yeah. But that also now gives motive. It does. If you believe that that wasn't your kid... And, and it goes back a, to know, yeah, that's a that's a out of wedlock child mm-hmm. of that time. And you, there's potential that he knew that Emily was out on him beforehand. I know none of that has been painted, but that could be one of the shoes to drop. Correct. I see a lot of people understand. Like one of my, not a lot of people understand, but I think there is an understanding here that there is the potential that. This star motel, Kenneth Smith or Terrence Smith, whatever his name was, you know, his information, yes, it was vital Mm -hmm. to the case, but who's also to say that that information was provided and brought to the DA because it was paid for information by the actual bad guy who was setting up Emily. You know what I mean? Also known as Baggardly. Yeah, I mean, like, everything like, We're no longer hiding in the shadows. Yeah, everybody, this whole episode is definitely all, you know, pointing the, you know, your, yeah. your nose and your other finger at Baggerly for a heavy handed. Because um, to me, like, this guy coming forward, the sleazeball information, um, you know, the baby thing and so on, like, it was super convenient. And it was brought in without discovery, mm-hmm. without notice. You follow what I'm saying? Like, it was somebody, it's one of those things that you want to bring a witness to put another nail in the coffin. You know what I mean? And so this guy miraculously shows up and he provides a statement to the, D, you know, the, with the, you know, the DA talks yeah. about it and there is no discovery. And so Perry's blindsided. Like, for that to happen in the middle of this episode, um, I think, I think that, that whole visual, him looking through the peephole, all that information was a setup. You know what I mean? I really, really believe that is that I I could totally see that being an angle where Baggerly was following her and knowing this or setting it up for all, you know, you got to understand, you know, Gannon was at the church. Baggerly was at the church. Who's to say that the second he figured all this stuff out, you know, he was going to ruin all of them as part of just to get his son back to himself. You know what I mean? It could be a really big grand scheme here. That's a weird setup. It is, but if you think that because your your daughter in law, who doesn't even know your is a daughter in law, yeah. is screwing around, and you just think that the potential of that child is not even your real son, you know how do you fix that situation? I think you're digging too deep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think and then you hire just... Enos to take. Then what's the motive uh, for? If we think back as the bad guy, why would he hire or have someone hire Enos? To kidnap the child and kill Enos it. Enos, I'm fine with, but just you trying to link this hotel person as a setup, like I think that's just, well, I just think he, a bridge too far. Maybe. But again, it goes back to the whole theory of why would we get rid of the child and put her in jail? What's the benefit there going through this whole charade? I mean, I think it truly still is. I think Charlie is still their kid, Emily's and uh, Dotson's. Then why kidnap? If we think Baggerly's the bad guy. So you can get your... I think Baggerly intended on getting a fake baby and then keeping the kid for himself. 
So as his grandson. As his grandson. His true grandson that he knows is his. And something went wrong. And something went terribly wrong. Okay. And I think, but I still think Charlie is still alive. Now you and Jake do not because y'all have something that I do not know, which is a father's intuition and would be able to spot your kid out no matter what. And, 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 and I, I'm with you on that. So here's the thing. Who would identify a child as being the, the actual baby in this in 1932? Think about it. It would be the parents. Yep. Correct? And they, you know, when they looked at the child, they're like, something's wrong with this child, this, that, or so on. So for that theory to be true, they would have to be able to look at this child and say, and believe it's theirs, but it's not. I mean, look, you, your your baby's been kidnapped for a couple hours a day. I don't know how I don't know if they've told us how long the baby was gone or not. You're you haven't slept. You're doing this at night, crowded area. As soon as you get your child, you realize something is wrong. So you're probably not even really looking at your kid. You've got somebody running away, and then all of a sudden the police are on you, taking the baby away. Yeah, you had a few seconds to look at it, but. You weren't. You were so worried that first you have that relief, and then it goes into pure panic and fear. Dotson's emotions mm-hmm. on court during cross-examination are too good for somebody who knows her child's actually alive. I mean, she might not know her kid's alive, though. No, I'm talking about, I'm yeah. talking about the son. The father okay. of the child. Okay, okay, yeah. So if... If your theory holds water, in my mind, he doesn't know that his son is alive. And Bagley's got him under wraps. Puts a little bit of a wrench in mine, but I can definitely see what you're saying. I do follow what you're saying. Just put it in perspective. Yeah. I mean, mean, you're counting on two things. He's still got so much anger. The the parents of a child not realizing what they were holding was not their kid. Mm -hmm. And the child is alive without... The father knowing he's alive. Which he's a dunce. I can see that one potentially happening okay. pretty easily. So, I mean, like, I just want you to know that's yeah. two parts of it. Now, things that help your case on your theory on this is is that resurrecting the child. Yes. That is a big plot. And so, if Charlie Dotson does show up because he's actually <laughs> alive as resurrected, you follow him getting yeah. in here? Game changer. Yes. You know what I mean? So then the case... Very weird, Right, when she way. saw that sign when she was walking out the door, like that. So then the case doesn't turn into the fighting for Emily Dotson's life, or it, it could wrap up because he's alive. There is no murder or so on. She obviously wasn't a kidnapper, mm-hmm. or, but a conspiracy to it. Okay, so then the, it shifts towards... Who the real bad guy was? Who actually had the child? You follow what I'm saying? Like, well, and then is that also potentially a baggardly ace in the hole? Like, if these books are getting too close on him, you know, maybe some money laundering, which we'll get into a little bit. He just brings Charlie back. There is no case, and you shut it down before you get investigated too hard. And then right. you just kind of sweep everything else under the rug with some money. So, under that thought. The kidnapping was to get your grandson away. Yes, from them, Emily, and everything because you want him in your new city because you know that your daughter-in-law 
is a cheating hooker or a whore, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. My goodness, the language coming out over there. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying she to think about being well, paid the or anything. Called her, I knew it was, was an H word, but he called her, you know, a whore on, on the stand. And so, and because you, you're a rich and powerful man, you find this information out. And so you decide to do, this is your way to solve the problem. Yes. You know, without murdering her, without murdering her or this or so on, you get your child away to get your grandchild away through a kidnap scheme. Mm-hmm. You don't mind losing a hundred thousand dollars because you're bloody rich, yeah, beyond a millionaire, you know, and so on. And then you hire cops to take care of the issue, and then that means that your son is gone from the yeah. problem. You and you get, make your you got son your the son primary son suspect, and even your grandson in your mix. You know, all that's all a big part of a big grand scheme. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the you know, but see, here's the thing: I don't think he ever encountered Sister Alice saying he's going to resurrect a child. No. So, the, so I don't think that was ever part of a ace in the hole. If it was, that means Sister Alice is dirty. That's fair. <laughs> so there's there's so many convoluted ways to look at everything on this situation. All right, we've we've dove into super yeah. prediction mode, but um, let's talk about some things that are talk you know, that happened in this episode that were huge details. Okay, number one. All right, Pete goes mm-hmm. to Denver. And we're basically we're looking for a connection of the bad guys. Yes, all the bad guys came from different cities, and Spend. to this day they have not been able to find a Connector. connection between them until this case happened. So they've got to find the connection. Pete goes to Denver, and he's looking. You know, after they find an um, an address where there's a potential that two of them were in the same place at one time, mm-hmm. which is not much of anything because it doesn't say statewide. So he goes out there and investigates, runs into, runs into this old codger, and he identifies that one of them definitely was here. The okay? uh, one that took the bullet through the case. Correct. And this is the one who died, who was sitting down, got shot through the case. Enos' first shot. Yes. Okay. And he le- evidently he beat and battered this older man. He has a scar on the side of his head. And so he definitely knows that he was there. And then... He's looking for connections to Enos, the other henchmen, and everything else. And in the process, finds out one of the bigwigs of this area, or where these guys were probably working through, the or vice, traveling became through, the vice president. And became the vice president of this, I couldn't quite Coalition, make, company. Something um, where he was the guy who, who paid people yes you know he was the one like he said who, who gave out the dollars we might not have a record of an employee mm-hmm. if you know they were bad guys they didn't keep records on them you paid them cash to handle your business and it's like phenomenal that. that the lady understood all of this because oh, a well, lot of times did you hear the t- language coming out of her mouth <laughs> i mean like we're, well you can done. definitely tell that she, she deals with uh, you know scrupulous people yes and she can and, handle herself oh exactly you know and so for them to make the connection that Seidel, mm-hmm. who is also a, an elder big wig at the church that Sister Alice is with, boom, 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 boom. boom. You have just connected one henchman to the church, the other henchman who was the direct lover mm-hmm. to the victim. I mean, like, that's a big, big nugget. A lot nugget. of dominoes fell with that. That's a big nugget. You know, and that's why he looked at her that. and goes, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> you know? So... Then we get this police report that isn't adding up. And so Della gets uh, Pete to go look at the garage that was never a garage. Correct. Well, the DA misspoke. Mm-hmm. He said that it was dealing about a garage, but there was no garage. And so they need to find every little detail to rebuttal it. In the process, he goes to the house 
and they're redoing Wait, it already. Oh my! I mean, they're already painting it, rehabbing it, and holding on yards. I, I think Pete is the star of this episode, and th- <laughs> yeah. this is one of those scenes that is just like he goes up there, just being Pete, smoking a cigarette, has uh, Perry's camera out there taking photos. You hear the guys in the background loading up the truck. Who is this guy? What's he doing? Pays no mind to him. Just no. walks in. Like, well, right. it does say for rent. So, I mean, like the average Joe could go up there and go say he's looking at the place to rent. I mean, the sign was yeah. there, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he finds, he finds uh, the mail, and it's from Sunset something proper. Uh, yeah. Something to do with Sunset. Um, addressed to him, and it has checks paid out to him, this and corp, him, this corporation, cor- and so on. And when they look up the corporation – or this it's business, just a it's, it's a, basically a shell company. It's The address is Gannon's home address, mm-hmm. and this company is owned by the church. So bottom line is is that the church is paying a company it owns to exist to, and to, to the former accountant of the place. Mm-hmm. So he's, you're basically you're robbing the church. Yeah. You know, you're, you're paying yourself. around. You know, taxes in order. Bottom line is you say you own this company is one of your subsidiaries, whatever it is. And when you go to pay the company, you're really just paying off your, your, your dirty cool. account, yeah. you know? Um, and so they realize that the church has got some bad dealings going on. Uh, they check this ledger and they find out that there's, you know, payments here, there, and so on. And a key name keeps popping up. Capital but, J lowercase H. Here's when do you think those payments stopped? But I mean, like we know they haven't. And this is this case has been dragged on for a few months now, right? So why would they not cut it off? Well, you don't you don't know. You know, you're paying that company to do something so you're for saying the church. The Seidel- church is oblivious to it because the, he was an accountant who probably created the fake fake business, and he's paying himself with it. Yeah, but one of the people is Seidel. Yeah, but you don't know if Seidel knows that he was cooking the books for his own personal gain or if he was cooking the books for somebody. Yeah, but what I'm saying is we think he's connected with Gannon, correct? Well, we know he is. They work together. They're, you know, that was a connect- okay. Seidel hired Gannon. Gannon at the church. So we think Gannon was doing this without any Seidel's permission. Seidel's know, knowing about it. Because I mean, that's kind of a problem. It well, is. But if he did know about it, he would have cut off those payments. He would have. Like I say, why would you allow one of your employees to double dip? I mean, you would do that because you're just like, hey, this is how we're going to pay you so it doesn't look like you're making any money or anything like that. You know, tax write-offs. I see why you would do that. But as soon as you know he's dead, you've got to get that company out of his name and out of that address. Well, that's why I say I don't think he knew about that. I think it's just one of those breadcrumbs that gets put in place that leads you to finding out Seidel is a bad guy. Because he's not a major player. He's a connection. But if he's not, yeah, I get that. But if he's not tied to this, then he's not a major player. I don't think he's a major player. I think he's just a connection. He's what connects the henchmen together. Okay. That is that is his role. No. That's what he is in this episode. Now, he might have some other deals where he's part of cooking books and everybody's you know stealing money from the church mm-hmm. or however you want to do it. Funneling money, embezzling, laundering, it, however you want to go about what they're doing. 
It doesn't give you enough detail of how they're doing it, but there is definitely enough there that they talked about in this episode to say that some shady business is going on behind the scenes True. where rich and powerful people are making deals that no one else could ever get and doing kickbacks off of it or paying off people with land, gifts, money, and everything else. Hence, Jim Hicks, yep. J.H., um, and which everything, again, points more to Baggerly. But Seidel is so important because, like you said, he's the connection to the bad guys that have no prior connection before this. Yes. The question is, is that if he's the connection, then is he somebody who helped organize the mission or the kidnapping? Because how do you find out all these guys are together unless whoever's a part of the plan needs henchmen and this guy gives them the information that they are. I mean, you see how that works? I do. So that makes him a part of the kidnapping because he is the connection to the henchman. Maybe unwill unknowingly. I think right, it was more how? of I need some I need how some do, people how to do How do those two job? bad guys from out of town end up in LA if they don't know the guy who's bringing them there? I mean, I think it was just like, "Hey, I need some people to do a job for me. Do you know anybody?" And it was as simple as that. Like, I don't think he knew what he was hiring them for. It was just, I need people. Okay, so you want to say he's the the novice henchman hirer? I mean, not just a novice. <laughs> it was just like, hey, I, I've come to you before. I've needed people. Like, okay. Baggerly asking him to help out with a favor or something. All right, so you just said Baggerly talks directly to Seidel to get this happen. You think it's that direct? It's got to be direct at some point in time. See, I and think he's high enough. You don't become Baggerly by dealing directly with direct connections to a, you know, a crime or anything like that. You always have a middleman that handles your dirty work. Well, then how is it, he could be that middleman for him? Potential. For all we know, Seidel is actually somebody who's done his henchman work in the past. Yeah. You know, and the church is just another way for Baggerly to get bigger and more powerful by using it as a funnel system. I mean, there's no doubt that that's exactly what he's using the church for. But that makes him a bigger player. And I think he could be the bigger... He could potentially do that. Do you think now that... Now that Enos has confessed to Holcomb Mm -hmm. that he got hired to do a job and it went sideways, that Seidel hired him to do it? Or do you think... You know, or somebody else we don't know, or Baggerly was a direct connection to the cop. See, I don't know because I I'm more of Baggerly's kind of willing to get his hands dirty, and you're of the mind that he doesn't touch anything. I don't think you become on the level of Vanderbilt, Ford, and everything else by being the guy who directly connects yourself to something that would ruin that all. That's just me. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just me. However, though, and when, if you think you're that, if you have that much money, influence, and power, you probably think you're untouchable and you don't mind. So, I mean, like, it can go twice fold. You probably don't think it. You know it. Okay. I'll give you that. Okay. Now, the other question here is this. All right. That police officer paid Drake. Mm-hmm. With whose money? Are you talking about the uh, captain or yeah. Ian? Okay. Uh, I mean, it's not like he's got petty cash and decide, hey, I just want to play the, pay this cop because, you know, he danced well in, in court. There was no prearranged there. There uh, was no, you're going to get paid if you play well or anything yeah. like that. Why was there a money given? So that means the captain 
is on this or is paid to make sure that it doesn't go in a certain direction, that's a level of influence. I mean, I, I think it's just as there. simple of, hey, this person did what he was supposed to. Here's some money for him. I don't think the captain has to be in on anything. Well, maybe he doesn't, but who provided that cheddar? Baggardly in some shape, way, or form. Okay. So you see the, the many fingers of potential. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We'll just have to see. I mean, for all you know, but that could also be Seidel. I mean, like you're talking about the guy who handles the money of a major, major church. Yeah. It's local, and it's a great way to hide illegal money operations. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just putting it out there. No. Again, but if you're a guy who's over illegal money operations and funneling money, laundering, whatever like that at a church, are you the same kind of guy who gets involved in hiring henchmen for a kidnapping? So that's what we're waiting on is the information. Another nugget that's going to have to drop to see where the connections are going to fall and so on. And that also brings me to the point of when Holcomb talked to Enos and Enos is like, you know, Holcomb says, you know, who else can finger you for this? Who can put you down for yeah. this? Like that. And he's like, I want to know who it is so that can you, we can kill him. You know, you know, Not which doesn't really, sound like Holcomb at all. The, Holcomb didn't even say that. That's why it doesn't sound like Holcomb. Holcomb goes, who else can pin you? And then Ellis I want is him like, dead. Yeah. No, he's just like, do you really want to know? No, want him dead. And so then that's saying Enos is going to go and take care of anybody that can handle it. Holcomb doesn't want anything tying back to him. He doesn't want his hands dirty, and he's not. He has plausible deniability on anything. And we'll throw Enos under the bus, even though Enos tried to say, whoa, 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 I was your second. I did everything by the book. I was just following your orders. That's not going to hold up in court. That won't hold up, especially if you grease the books to be on top of the sheet to Mm -hmm. get the case. There's no doubt about it. So, I mean. They've already shown us that that stuff happened because the the officer that was supposed to get the case got screwed. Yeah. The main thing that will happen to Holcomb is any kind of promotion is going to be out the window, and that's what he's trying to save. Right. I don't know. Considering all our, a lot of our listeners have told us that Holcomb is supposed to be a really good cop and a, you know an ally for Perry Mason, you know from the original series, yeah. they've they, done a good job writing him because I've been like, okay, he's a good cop. Okay, he's a bad cop. And now he's a cop. Now he's a good cop and bad cop. And like, I don't know what they're doing with this character, and I like it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious. I mean, he's very angry, very frustrated, and he's good enough cop to realize that Enos is dirty. In this situation, well, but Enos also told him he's you know, dirty hey, you because brought Colcom, into, you yeah. brought me into the dirt. You know, you're the one who put it in the kickbacks and this and that and so on. Da, da, da. So it shows that Holcomb is not pure by any means. Now, Holcomb's living in the whoa, whoa, whoa. These crimes aren't that bad. They're going to be going on. We might as well just get our beak wet. Whereas what you did was you could another level. Yeah, you murdered a child. Yeah. Um, which doesn't quite admit that, but man, if Enos is the guy who did it all. I mean, I see Enos being the guy that does everything that's needed to make sure a job gets done. True. True that. Uh, true, true that. And I think we're going to find out by the end of next episode that that's true. Which also, the scene where he's interrogating Enos on trial and everything, doing the practice stand. My goodness. Oh, yeah. It was br- it, it was. It was... It's fantastic. Where you he's know, busting his balls, you know, oh, yeah. like he realizes that because of what Perry Mason's cross examination of Drake, when he talks about the blood trail and everything mm-hmm. else, he realizes there's a, there's something afoot. Which again, 
just looking at that 40 feet and then measuring out 40 feet. Oh, it's great. It's a great spot. Like, that's so good. I don't know if that would ever happen in a real courtroom. I think that's more just no, TV that, that was a, that's a, antics and everything. Yeah, it's a my, my Cousin Vinny antic, you know, just without humor. Yeah. You know. But, uh, oh, so good to still see stuff like that happen. Absolutely. Okay. Why does the prison guard, the female prison guard, lie? Because they On, paid her. Okay. So why do they feel like you even need her to do that? As you think this is you don't, you don't have a case. So anything that you can that so makes... So that confession is, you know, you save that for your coup de grace. Yeah. You? Okay. I go with that. So how do you prove that she lied? I don't think there's you any bring, you, you, put, you put Sister Alice on the stand? No, because I mean... Well, she's the only person that was there that heard what she said. There's 100 prisoners as well. Okay. And But who's trustworthy? The most famous preacher in L.A. or a prisoner next door to a cell? Doesn't matter. Okay. I mean, we've already got the testimony under oath. There's no record. You know, I mean, it's you're going to stick with the first thing that you hear in a he said, she said. Okay. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Now, maybe you can come back and say that she's already lied and didn't do her job in the sense that Emily got beat under her watch. But how do you prove it? Well, here's the thing is that... Um, you bring up a good point is that when he does his defense of everything, you can bring up and you can destroy her credit her credibility by letting her know that she wasn't on her, on her watch command. And they let two cops go in there and rough her up. She was mm-hmm. sustained injuries and you know, but it goes back to proving it and there's but no, yeah, but you can, but you can go in there and you can put Della on the stand and she can communicate to what she saw. But Della doesn't help that that's coming. Della's on your team. Doesn't matter. She's still a material it, witness. It's just not going to hold up. I don't think. Well, she was visiting a, a client. You know, it was like if I'm ever on trial for something and they bring you up on the thing, it's going to be like, well, yeah, of course. You know, you're you're part of his court team. <laughs> like, it, yeah. How coincidental that you saw this happen without any cameras and yeah. it's she better, didn't make a report. It's better than nothing to destroy the credibility of a prison guard. If you can, I just don't see, you know. Well, he would have to be, he would have to be sensational about it. Or, you know, or he even get her to, maybe he gets her to recant. And I mean, saying, well, I'm going to let him know about this, this, and this, and this, you know, or I'm going to have your job or whatever. I don't know. You know, there's enough. I, I think we're going to get something there to be able to rebuttal. I think we got to see a lot. We got to see the entire DA's case this mm-hmm. episode. I think we're going to get a lot of the unshelling of his defense next episode. I would agree. And then the final episode, we're going to have the ba-boom, you know? We're going to have the resurrection. We're going to have... Or, I mean, the resurrection could happen by the end of the next episode. Yeah. You know, I could totally see it being the the cliffhanger in the episode. Yeah. I could totally see it. Um, HBO loves a good penultimate episode, so... Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. So, the last episode... Last episode. The last scene is Perry Mason... Uh, driving through this beautiful vineyard area. Also, his John Lithgow terrible. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where they were practicing it. Just go get uh, Ian Lithgow. Yeah, let, let him just run some lines over again. Right. Well, it was pretty brutal the way he was like, "You're an effing coward," and you get dressed up and you know, was, you know, the gas. And man, he was my, my man heart, frustrated. Yeah, man my, apart. I mean, we've all been there, you know. Oh yeah. 
But man, that that was that was tearing me up. It was, man. You know, I honestly expected when he was like, "What about it, Eb?" I honestly expected him to turn the camera over and like have a picture of Eb sitting in the seat, like man. he's talking to him. You follow what I'm saying? That would have been good. That would have been great to see John Lithgow right there. Yep. You know, like you know, you're fucking it up, Perry. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I would have loved to see that. I, I was like, God, that would have been great. You know. And, uh, you know, like, and then cuss him out. You know, you were a coward. And he goes, well, I know. Yeah. But, you know, da, 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 you know, something of that nature. But, you know, to each their own. It still worked out. Right. So they go to this beautiful house in this vineyard area like that. And, of course, this is the Hicks. Yep. Jim Hicks. And he steps out. But, I mean, not even before that. I mean, the masonry work on these pillars. Oh, yeah. We were just sitting there raving about this oh. porch, man. Oh, like, my God. Could you imagine just these? having a swing, drinking some iced tea, maybe yeah. an Arnold Palmer right there, just like, uh, uh, Arnold Palmer, the man says. Uh, absolutely. Like, we're in the South. That's no, I, how we do it. I, I got you. I got you. Are you but not yes, an Arnold Palmer guy? I am not an Arnold Palmer guy. Really? I am not. I can't do the lemonade and tea. I can't do it. I'm, I'm a, do you at least put lemon in your tea or no? I am I am anti-lemon. I hate to say that. What? Sorry, I think it really, you know, it's an unnecessary character, you know, addition to great southern sweet tea. No, it's the perfect compliment. By the way, I watched a video the other day of a person impersonating a person from the south saying they know how to make southern oh, sweet tea. Oh, I know tea. that video that you're and talking about. And it shows about. a lady <laughs> making sweet tea by Well, no, no, no. she's making something. She's I don't making know what something she's that making. she calls <laughs> sweet, sweet tea. tea. Okay, let me tell you what she does. She puts hot water in a glass jug. Yeah. Dips the bags into it, swirls them around For a little like bit. Three seconds. Then dumps um a measured a measured cup, cup of sugar. Then a teaspoon <laughs> of baking soda. Which what what is that even? And then puts like a like a, like a couple cups of ice in there and swirls it all around and says this is southern sweet tea. I no, that almost threw up on my phone. I almost threw up on my phone. I mean, how dare she? Like, how dare she? And of course, if you find the video, there's another guy next to, on the video. He's like, "Uh, you didn't boil the bag. Yeah. You're, you're, you got to boil the bag. What are you doing?" <laughs> and then, and then the idea of a one cup of sugar. You know, I was, I was like, like <laughs> "Hey, we don't even know what measuring cups are Dude, down here." You know, it's it's a feel. Yeah, it's a natural touch of throwing the white goodness into the cup. Okay, your stomach is like okay, and you got to do it while it's hot. After after you're yeah, boiling the bag, have you ever tried to melt? sugar into a cold liquid it doesn't work yeah it's not possible it's all gritty at the bottom yeah sweet gritty but you know it's still terrible and then anyone who puts baking soda or baking powder whatever whichever it was tea you there's a bridge you can jump off like i mean there's just just stop it i'm just i gotta i gotta put it in your life well i mean like if you don't listen to people like this i'm sorry okay and yes you can just add more water in the refrigerator or if you want to add ice if you're looking to it that's your call whatever but that is the requirement is boiling the bags adding all that flavor adding a copious amounts of sugar and so on and then you add your water products to it in whatever form you want to and then you slice up a lemon you put it on the edge squeeze a little bit in there it's completely on an individual basis (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i just want y'all to know that that's that's where it's at and if you've never had sweet tea Give, Give it a shot. Work. Give it a shot, man. You, 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 you know, if you love sugar, you'll love this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's as simple exactly. as that. Exactly. All right. So, Jim Hicks 
at the door with his rifle, mm-hmm. are we to say this guy is concerned for his life? Yes, he's but telling not by Perry, Perry. Oh, yeah, not by Perry, my own, because, because he goes, I've been expecting you. Yeah. So this happens to happen not far after the whole scene with Holcomb and Enos. We're like, you know, I want him dead. Do we think the Jim Hicks? Scene. We <laughs> think that Jim Hicks is the linchpin that of someone that could to completely destroy this murder case. Yes. Okay. Right. And I, I think it doesn't look like he's been watching any TV or anything. So I don't know if he's getting a newspaper delivered or going into. Well, town. he said he read his name. He saw his picture in the newspaper. So yes. Um, and I think that it's slightly escalated, knowing. That he knows too much, which I'm trying to find the connection to Baggerly. That's why I'm stalling a lot right now, just trying to think, because I've seen him as a bad guy very early on. And the more that we've talked, you're more than likely right. He's not dealing with anybody. But Hicks has dealt with him before because he's signed these very important documents. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he's the been one who created them. all this stuff. He's got the kickback of the 20 acres for a dollar, all that stuff. But the problem is, why is he hiding by himself? So, obviously, he doesn't really have any money. How did he get put so in this position? If you are concerned for your life where you have to hold a rifle, then you're carrying more cards than what we already know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Enough to think that you're going to get murdered for it. I mean, this is like Jason Garrett holding orgy photos Doing, of yeah. uh, Jerry Jones, and that's how he kept the Cowboys job for 10 years. <laughs> like, I mean, this is yeah, that level that's of black That's a god-awful image in my mind. But Look, um, I mean, there's no other way. He was the head coach of the Cowboys for 10 years. It's not, it's not physically possible. Yeah. The man was an abomination. <laughs> he, he was this lady sweet tea. And we want to apologize to all Cowboys fans. You know, and, Well, no, we really don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I, I'm with you. Okay, like he's got some level of blackmail something, or something because the paperwork they did when it said paperwork provided by Jim Hicks and he's like that and he made this deal where he bought land for a dollar. All that's legal. Yeah, it's like that. So none of that is nef- It looks bad. It's shady business. It's very nefarious. But it's legal. Yeah. yeah, it's legal. So that doesn't make you feel like you need to have a rifle. You have got some other connection to this entire thing for you to have a rifle up and worry that you're going to get murked. Yeah. Bottom line. So when they put, if he puts him on the stand and divulges whatever like that, this could be a major turning point of the case. That's if they can get him on stand. Well, because if a man is opening his door with a rifle, he. Sadly, I did get watched a preview for the next episode, and sadly, there is a scene where you see Jim Hicks in the seat next to the judge. Why? Why are you going to tell me this? Because like, I, I just right here enjoyed watching me bust your bubble. I just want to live in bliss for one more week. That's okay, it. well, hey, you know what? That's the only thing I'm going to tell you. FYI, there's... Da, 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 da. <laughs> so um, he's still alive. So, I mean, I've got that. He lives, you know? And so, yeah. Um, I mean, Perry's one... Because he, he's a There was a lot man. of other stuff in that preview that yeah. was kind of like, what in the hell? I'll, I'll, I'll leave it alone. I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. Um, <laughs> but again, overall, after this episode, they've definitely painted the picture that Baggerly is a bad guy. Yes. Or he's doing a lot of shady stuff. It's it's not a hundred percent that he's the guy behind the kidnapping. He's not. 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm staking my claim. My have, flag's been there. Don't get wrong now. If you were painting arrows on a street to where the bad guy was, he's got some bright <laughs> we, We've got yellow some arrows, arrows coming down. Yeah, like, I mean, like, if there's a picture of Baggerly, there's billboards up this way. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen this man? Yeah. So, I mean, that's how the show is painting it. But, you know, every good show, especially crime drama, whodunit, and so on, could have an amazing twist in this. True. And, you know but what I mean? in those shows, you always see him early on, too. And we saw Baggardly early. And yeah, we That's didn't mention that last time. And, I, and I'm with you. Um, but if, so if they decide to go down that road that he is the bad guy, you know, is the surprise going to be who is on, who's in it with him or who's conjunction or does he, or is he exposed all the corruption? You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the other half of the coin here is, is that based on the previous show, the original like that, the arch nemesis to Perry Mason is the assistant DA, not the head. And so, does that mean the DA is dirty, or I don't think the DA is dirty? I have to show everything him out that of position, we've seen. You know exactly. So, I think there's a lot that has to happen, you know, to figure out where all the dominoes are going to fall. If they all fall, for all you know, this all gets washed away in some kind of crazy twist. Look, if Charlie comes back and Emily's right, there is no murder case. Well, you could also you say it was conspiracy for kidnap. That's a different thing. It's a complete like that's not going to sweep the nation or anything. I, I would agree with you. All people would care about is he's not dead. He's yeah. not dead. Well, what baby's in there dead then? You, you know, there, I mean, like there's got to look at other halves of the book. You know, you can say, "Oh, look at this," and then you turn it over and go, "Oh, wait a minute, there's other half you got to think about." Yeah, but the sensationalism's gone. A okay. lot of it's wiped out, and then money just kind of sweeps everything else under the rug. I know that sounds terrible and very nihilistic. Yeah, you're a, you're but... a monster. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but okay, anyway, I'm just saying that's where we're at. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, look, I'm excited. This is the Perry Mason that everyone's been telling us about. This is the courtroom drama that. I've been itching for, and I can see why everybody loved this show back in the 50s. And if we get, yeah, whenever it was popular, and if we get two more episodes of this, my goodness, I'm I'm hooked for life. You know, I'm already going to be sitting here scratching my neck waiting Uh, for 2021. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. By the way, you know, just go ahead and plug this now. Did y'all see the extended preview of Lovecraft Country? Of Lovecraft Country. Whoo. If I, w- I was already excited about where they were going with the show and how we're going to be covering it as soon as Perry Mason is done, because it is the show that follows in the footsteps of Perry Mason, by yes. the way. So if you enjoy listening to us, we will have another podcast for Love Cab Country on HBO, f- picking up right where we left off every Sunday night, um, following the end of Perry Mason. Get ready. We're probably going to try to have that ready in the next week or so, definitely before Perry Mason is mm-hmm. done. Um, so be looking for that. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to it. You need to check the show out. It has a cast of characters that are phenomenal. It's got special effects, some sci-fi stuff that looks awesome. If you missed it completely or just overlooked it, just go find it. Go find it. This is coming from a person who doesn't watch previews and and so on. Wow. Impressive. You're going to have no idea what's going on and you're going to love it. Yes. Um, I'm just so intrigued by what they've given us. I mean, like, if you could dump 100 plots into a box and then dump them onto the floor for us to visually see, that's what I felt like I saw. It was just, you don't have no idea where this is going, but it, it just looks so cool. Yep. You know, and it, again, and it's another, it's another time piece. It looks like it's the 30s or 40s, like we're listening, like we're watching now for Perry Mason, based on the cars and the people. They could everything. have used a lot of the same set and everything. Exactly. And so, I wouldn't I mean, be surprised. Like, uh, it, it looked it was very visually appealing. I look forward to seeing where it's going to go. 
look forward to this, for the new show. But uh, guys, as always, you can always catch us on Twitter and Facebook. That's Bleed TV Podcast. And with Bleed TV Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, again, thank you for all those people who are emailing us. Amazing Can't thank you enough. Man, it was Can't huge. look for Look forward uh, to conversating with you in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you heard something else or we missed a detail or you have a cool-ass theory, man, send us to us, man. Let us know. Um, you know, And if we didn't get too depth into the next episode, heck, we'll probably try to mention it. Um, but really, really appreciate all that. Again, if you haven't had a chance, go to iTunes. Give us a positive review. Put a few words on there. Hey, we're kick-ass, whatever, da-da-da. That's what really helps us out. That's the best paycheck you can give us. We really, really appreciate it. But other than that, guys, I think we're going to call it a night. Uh, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Cash. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>